Hi, good morning. Um, so today's Bible reading will be Deuteronomy chapter 5, verses 11, and Exodus chapter 3, verses 13 to 17. <clears throat> Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 11 says, You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who, mus who mus misuses his name. Exodus chapter 3, verses 13 to 17 says, Moses said to God, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, What is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, Say to the Israelites, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my name forever, the name you shall call me from generation to generation. Go, assemble the elders of Israel and say to them, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, appeared to me and said, I have watched over you and have seen what you has been done to you in Egypt. And I have promised to bring you out, out of your misery in Egypt into the land of the Canaanites. Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites, a land flowing with milk and honey. This is the word of the Lord. Eric, if you can keep your Bibles open to Exodus chapter 3, that would be great. Um, but let's pray that God will speak to us today. Lord, we thank you for your living word. We thank you that it's active and sharper than two-edged sword. And we pray that you'll shape our hearts with your word this morning as we come to it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I think it was uh, living in England and watching Top Gear that developed my love for fancy cars. <laughs> Ferraris or um, Audi R8, Lamborghinis. Um, in U.S. or in England, I would see these cars once in a while, and I would just marvel at, you know, the beauty and the power of these machines. But in Hong Kong, you can go to any indoor garage, any indoor car park, and it's a, it's a, it's a car show. <laughs> There's so many fancy cars in there. This is one. Um, this is one in my, where I live. It's been parked there in the same spot. It seems like nobody's driving it. It's a Lamborghini. It's a beautiful car. It's just sitting right there. I see it every day on my way to pick up my bicycle, and I envy a little bit of what's there. But, you know, what if I put this logo, this raging bull, this iconic logo on a car like this? Well, this obviously is a mismatch um, there. This is, this, th that logo does not belong to that car. No one would take that seriously. But this is the kind of thing that we often do when we use God's name, um, uh, when we misapply God's name, when we misuse God's name. And today we're going to continue our series on the Ten Commandments, on the Third command, Commandment, and what that means, how we misuse God's name, and what it also means to use it rightly. You shall not misuse the name of Yahweh, your God. But we, will, uh, we hear it all the time, misused, misused everywhere. 
in the playgrounds, in the gym, or in much worse places, God, Jesus, or damn, and other words are often mixed together. They don't belong together, but, and yet they do. And they are used as curse words um, everywhere around us. And misuse literally means to use it like it's nothing, in vain, like it has no weight, it has no substance. And that's how people use God's name. When they say God, it has no meaning. It's just something that they say. But God's name isn't something that he has, some sound that's associated with him. God's name is something else. It actually represents who he is. It's not just a sound. It represents who he is. And that's truly, that's just generally how the Hebrew people use their names. Remember uh, the name Abraham. Abraham means, and he was, father of multitudes. And that's what that meant. Jacob was and means a cheater, somebody who grabbed the heel of another. Nabal was and means a perverse fool. Often in Hebrew culture, the names represented who that person was. So when Moses asked God on the burning, at that burning bush, God, what should, I, what should I say to your people when they ask your name, what your name is? And God gives himself his name. I am who I am. And that's not just a label, is it? That's not just Yahweh. He doesn't just say Yahweh. He, this, is, this is who I am. I am who I am. Yahweh is who he is. That name is who he is. It represents the name before all names, a being before all beings, this omnipresent, omnipotent, omniscient, mighty God who has created all of us. That's who he is. And whenever we say his name, we must associate that name with who God is. Yahweh is who he is. So this command, the third command, it isn't just about misusing the sound of his name. It is about much more. It's about representing him rightly or misrepresenting who he is, reducing him to something else that he is not. That's what this is about. According to a scholar's careful study in the Old Testament, there are three ways that people misused God's name. First was uh, in sorcery, in incantation, sort of these magic, uh, magical formula people had. You know, God's name is not to be associated with some magical formula, as if you can say, you know, mix his name with some magical formula to control God. So think about what that means. If we do that, when we use God's name as part of a magical formula, what we're doing is we're reducing God, who he is. We're misrepre misrepresenting him. We're making him a mere idol, somebody that you can just pull out from your pocket, somebody that you have control over. No, that's not who he is. He can't be used in that way because Yahweh is who he is. I am who I am. He can't be controlled by us uh, or anyone else. And as a side note, I think this is actually what people sometimes sometimes do when people pray in Jesus' name and think that in Jesus' name is some sort of a magical formula that we have to say in order to be heard by God, in order to in some way control God. No, praying in Jesus' name isn't that. It means 
praying with the imprint of his name, according to his character, according to his revealed will. It means knowing that we only approach God in Jesus, that we have access to that great holy God in Jesus. The other two ways of misrepresenting God's name in the Old Testament was um, when people prophesied uh, falsely in his name or swore by God's name. We do that too, don't we? We swear by God's name. I swear by God, we might say. Or we don't often prophesy in God's name, but we might often do this. We might say something like, the Lord led me to tell you, or the Lord led me in some ways to other people. And we have to be very careful when we use God's name in that way. We must be sure that this is truly God's will, or else we're misrepresenting him. We're falsely prophesying in ways. We're associating God with our will, with what we want to do, what we think I should do. So are we careful when using God's name? Because look at the second half of this uh, command. For the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. In Leviticus chapter 24, there's that example of somebody who blasphemes God's name, who curses God. He's stoned to death. A prophet who misuses God's name and falsely prophesies in his name. Well, they were stoned to death as well. The penalty for misrepresenting God to something else, uh, reducing God to a mere idol that we control, uh, 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 reducing God to something else, reducing his name, misusing his name came with big penalties, which I think sometimes rubs us the wrong way as modern people. Why does God care so much? Why does this seem so barbaric in some ways? But remember a couple weeks back when we talked about the purpose of the Ten Commandments. The purpose was this. Observe them carefully, for this will show your wisdom and understanding to the nations. To the nations. It will show my understanding and wisdom to the nations. The goal was mission goal was to draw people to Yahweh, Yahweh's name, but when we misuse his name, it repels people from God and who God is, and God is the source of life. In God is life itself. In God is eternal life. In God is abundance of life now. And when we misuse God's name, when we associate God's name with lies and falsehood, and when we misrepresent him, it propels people away from the source of life himself. You see, this command actually isn't given to outsiders. They're given to insiders, to Christians, to people of God, people who bear his name. It is certainly bad when I hear God's name misused by non-Christians. It rubs me the wrong way, it grates me, but in a way, it has little consequence. But When we as Christians, people who bear God's name, misuse God's name, misrepresent Him in our life, it has eternal consequences, doesn't it? Think about a pastor who has been abusive in his relationship with his parishioners, the church members. The people who have been abused by pastors, they don't just... Um, they, they, they don't just need some therapy. They, they come to sometimes hate the name of their Lord Jesus. 
as a result. When the church misuses and misrepresents God's name by abusing children in our midst, it makes people lose faith. It makes the watching world go run away from our Lord's beautiful name. When Christians who... I want prosperity gospel preachers associate God's name with fancy cars or uh, private jets or, or whatever. Uh, they are drawing people away from life himself, Yahweh God, who identifies with the poor, who says, if you have fed me, if you have fed one of the poor, if, if when I was hungry, uh, you have fed me. Uh, if you've clothed one of those, uh, the, the poor people there, uh, uh, you've clothed me. God identifies with the people out there who need the help. And when prosperity gospel preachers draw, uh, associate God's name with just health and wealth and success and all these things, they draw people away from our Lord to, the power, to, to idols of power and money. And when Christians... When we misuse God's name, when we cheat and lie and get drunk all the time, are greedy, adulterous, can't rest, can't forgive, are vindictive, in all these ways, if we treat God's name lightly, it has eternal consequences, not just for us, but for the watching world. It draws people to God or away from Him. Church, you shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. But it does say that we are forbidden from misusing his name, not from using his name. In fact, the Old Testament uses his name all the time. God uses his name. People of God use his name. God's name is mentioned at least 7,000 times. Yahweh God, that Yahweh, the designation is mentioned at least 7,000 times because God gave Israelites himself. God says, I am your God, and now you are my people. You bear the imprint of my name, and if your life is transformed by my relationship with you, then people will be drawn to me or be repelled away from me. And the same mission is given to us as Christians, as God's people. That same mission is given to us, and we're enabled to do that mission. Remember the Great Commission, when Jesus sends people out, his disciples out, he says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and of the Holy Spirit. It's a slightly strange thing, but actually that in isn't just in. It's actually into. Into. Well, what does that mean? Baptizing them into the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. What it actually means is that God who exists in this relationship within himself, God the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, we are invited to be in relationship with him, into his being, into this relationship with the triune God. What it's saying is that we are drawn into this relationship with the living God and that we are reborn and we're transformed and remade by that relationship. We're baptized into his name. 
every aspect of our life must be broken down and remade by that relationship with God the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And this is actually what we are praying for when we pray the Lord's Prayer and when we say, hallowed be your name. We're not just asking the world to recognize the holiness of God's name. We're recognizing that his, made, his name will be made holy in the people, in the people who bear his name. Hallowed be your name. And of course, and that at the very least means treating God's name with weight, with the glory that it deserves. I don't know if you've ever noticed in the uh, communion service, it's for Sunday today, so we'll do communion, but whenever in a, uh, Anglican, clergy, uh, Anglican liturgy, the uh, name of Jesus is mentioned. As part of the liturgy, the, the, uh, the priest will bow a little bit, uh, will bow uh, his head or her head. In a high Anglican serv- service, you'll see whenever the Trinitarian formula is said, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, the whole congregation will bow because we feel the weight of God's name. We want to be reverential towards the use of his name because we know that that name represents not just some sound, but God himself. We want to show respect to that God. And when we do that, what we're foreshadowing is just the end. The end of days when at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue will acknowledge that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The whole world will see the weight of that name. But, of course, honoring his name, as we've been talking about, means more than honoring his sound, the sound of that name. It means seeking to honor God with our life. Or as Paul writes in another letter, in letter to Colossians, and whatever you do, whether in word or in deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Whatever you do, in word or in deed, do it in the name of Jesus. So we pray in Jesus' name, according to Jesus' character and his revealed will. We work in Jesus' name in a way that shows the imprint of his name, the imprint of his name in all the work that we do. We raise our children in Jesus' name with his values and his loves, shaping uh, our children to love him. We conduct our friendship in Jesus' name, honoring one another, encouraging each other. We conduct our dating relationships in Jesus' name, keeping the right boundaries in all of that. We conduct our marriage in Jesus' name, husbands loving their wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up as a sacrifice uh, for, 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 uh, for them and, 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 and for the wives to honor and obey the husbands. Friends, think of every aspect of your life having this divine imprint of Jesus' name. Is that how you live your life? Think of every part bearing that seal of that weighty name of Jesus. Do it all in the name of Jesus. For a while, Dr. Joseph Sung was a Christian uh, who didn't let others know that he was a Christian. (laughs) Um, That's until the SARS epidemic. uh, When his patience and 
his uh, patients, staff, and friends um, patient in, the, in the hospital started to just die, and he felt so helpless to a close colleague. He said, well, maybe this is the time when we should come down and pray. This is beyond human power, beyond everything that we can do. Apparently, that was the first time that he declared his faith to the people around him. He invited his Christian colleagues to come into his office. And ev after every morning round at 11 a.m., apparently, he invited uh, people to come in and kneel down and pray for his patients, pray for other colleagues around him. And he credits those prayers to be the place where things got turned around during the epidemic. People started to get better. Um, the, the, the Hong Kong started to get better. But through this event, uh, he saw other uh, people becoming, becoming Christians um, as well in seeing his faith. Yeah, through that, I, I think many of you know, will know uh, Dr., uh, Dr. Sung. He became a household name in Hong Kong, not only for his dedication, selflessness during the SARS epidemic, but because of his faith. It wasn't just his name was honored. The name of his God was honored. Jesus was honored through him. Whatever you do, do it all in the name of Jesus. What would that mean for you? What would that mean for you? Do it all in the name of Jesus. The problem, though, is that we're not all like Dr. Sung. We, in many ways, are failures. We fail in so many different ways. I do. In a podcast um, that uh, discusses some of the failures of the church, I learned uh, this term, stolen valor. It's a practice of falsely representing oneself as having served in the military, having earned these medals that they did not earn. And it's something that rubs people the wrong way, really the wrong way, especially those who have actually served in the armed services or have earned these medals. When a Navy SEAL, a real Navy SEAL, sees a, a person impersonating as a SEAL, going around with, a, I don't know, beret or something, it, it just really rubs him the wrong way because that uniform represents his life, who he is. And this person is just pretending, is, 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 is stealing the honor and, and, and all the things that belong. When a person is awarded, like, Purple Heart in the U.S., it's a, it's a medal given to people who have um, been injured during combat. Well, when he sees another person pretending, uh, the, the crediting himself with the fake medal, well, it, they don't just let that go. If you go on YouTube and just type in stolen valor, you'll see hundreds of videos of these soldiers confronting people who are pretending that, uh, something that they're not. Actually, when I wear the name of Christ, when I call myself a Christian, I sometimes feel that way. Um, that actually, it's the same reason why I often take off my collar as, almost sort of as soon as I walk outside of the, these halls, uh, partly because this makes me feel like, like I'm a better person than I actually really am. I don't, can't seem to live up to what this collar represents, and I feel a bit of, of a fake, that I'm not worthy of this position. I'm not worthy of the name Christ, Christian now friends, when we wear the name of Christ and when we call ourselves a Christian, 
Actually, these are real. We are truly what these things represent. What Jesus has done, all the glory and all the good works that he's done, his acts of compassion and holiness and all the things that he's done, it is ours. It is ours, and we must wear them proudly, and this is why we strive to be holy like he is holy. It is ours. They belong to us. But at the same time, a Christian is somebody who knows that they belong to us only because this was given to us as a gift, because it was given to us as an act of mercy and grace. We wear them as people who know that they have been given to us. So we must honor God's name by also pointing people to God's mercy, not just through the good works, striving to be more like him, but also in our failures, in also acknowledging our sinfulness and pointing to the one who gave us all the honor and glory that we do not deserve. St. Paul took the name of Christ in this way. Famously, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, he says, I'm not worthy to be called an apostle. I've persecuted the church. But then he goes on to say, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. By the grace of God, I am what I am. Grace, by the grace of God, we are what we are. John Newton, who wrote Amazing Grace, he was a slave trader. He was scum of the earth. But then God saved him. That song, Amazing Grace, isn't a monument to his musical, musical genius. It's a monument to God's amazing grace. How God has saved him. Chuck Colson was a special counsel to the corrupt president, Richard Nixon. He was called the evil genius of an evil administration, the first one of the Watergate Seven who went to prison for it. But he's even better, I think, known as a person who's been saved by Jesus in prison for establishing Prison Fellowship International. He honors God's name by pointing to his Savior. You see, honoring God's name doesn't just come through our good works by becoming more and more Christ-like. It's also, we can honor his name by pointing to his mercy and grace when we fail, when we, as we acknowledge our fallenness and point to God's goodness. Yahweh, I am who I am. I will be who I will be. He could have done anything that he wanted to do. That's who he is. But then he gave himself another name, Jesus, or Yeshua in Hebrew, which means Yahweh saves. Jesus, Yahweh saves. That's who God is. Fundamentally, in his being, he is God who saves. And we are a people who bear the name of Christ name of Yeshua, Jesus. We're a people who've given medals and honors, eternal life and glory that we do not deserve, the recognition, goodness. So let's treat this name with honor and respect. Let's strive in our words, in our deeds to honor that name. Let's tell the world about the mercy of Jesus.
that beautiful name, God who saves. Let's pray. Lord, we come before you as people who have been saved by your amazing grace. Lord, we cannot come before you apart from the name of Jesus. We thank you for giving your son. And Lord, help us to honor that name by pointing others to your grace, to your mercy. Help us to honor that name by having you and our relationship with you transform every part of our life, not just for our sake, but for the watching world. May you be honored in our life. May your name be hallowed. We lift up the name of Jesus. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.